2: As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job. It's part of me.
3: Janis, let me say, we were your first ever Eurovision interview way back in January.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I remember! So, Gisli Baltarsson, Iceland's commentator, welcome to the EuroTrip.
1: Thank you very much, and thank you for the EuroTrip.
2: I've
4: been listening to you. Being face-to-face, yeah, it's awesome. I was going
2: to say your beautiful face. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, But it is beautiful as well, though. We were talking on the phone. Yes. Do you want to have a hug? Yes, please. Yeah, that would be great. Cornelia Jacobs, congratulations. Thank you. Give me a hug. Hi there. My name is Martin Osterdal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip.
3: Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And today, on this bonus episode of the podcast, we are joined by the BBC's Head of Delegation for the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. It's
2: Lee Smithhurst. You know full well that me and James love a BBC bonus. And we know full well that you love a BBC bonus. And we know even more that you love a BBC bonus that features Lee Smithurst. Because, of course, as well as being... of delegation at the junior eurovision song contest 2022 where the uk make their triumphant return after not competing at the contest since 2005 but he of course also assistant head of delegation at the eurovision song contest so loads to chat to him about and also of course he's going to be head of show at eurovision 2023 in liverpool it's safe to say
3: lee is a busy man and let me put on record as soon as possible we are so so thankful for his time and we're really glad to be able to bring you this as well because the BBC are participating in Junior Eurovision for the first time this year, of course ITV did it for three times back in the early noughties, so this is uncharted territory for the BBC and this is going to be your first opportunity to find out how it all came about why they're taking part you can find out all about the artist, of course Freya Sky, just 13 years old and you can find out all about their ambitions for the contest in Yerevan
2: next month and probably either side of the chat with, with Lee, me and James will talk about how much of an absolute bop Lose My Head is. The UK's entry for Eurovision, Junior Eurovision. How many times I'm going to say that in this episode? <laughs> junior Eurovision 2022. It is all very exciting, and we know you're going to enjoy what's on the way. So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip. This is the Euro Trip. It is a Friday if you're listening on the day of release and there is nothing better than seeing yourself into the weekend with a BBC bonus episode from me and James here on the Eurotrip because it's another exclusive. Oh, we love an
3: exclusive. We love a chat about the BBC and we know you love both of those things as well. And like I said, I said it about a minute and a half ago, but we're so grateful to Lee for his time and also so glad to be able to bring you this because we know how much you love to find out all
2: the goings-on uh, about the BBC in the UK at Eurovision and now junior Eurovision, of course. Shall we just say how grateful we are as well for how this conversation came about? Because me and you were just going about our regular lives about, about a week or so ago. And then we we looked at our shared inbox because me and James are like a family that have a joint email inbox <laughs> account. and uh, And we saw there was an email in there from Lee and he was saying, oh, hello. Sorry, I've not been in touch for a while. Uh, we're we're announcing our Junior Eurovision Act soon. I can probably chat next week if you want, at which point me and I messaged James and I said, I think we definitely do want, don't we?
3: (laughs) Obviously, on behalf of you listening, we were like, absolutely, yes, please. Uh, So we penciled it in the diary for earlier today, or Thursday, yesterday, you know what I mean. On the day that Freya Sky, let's talk about Freya Sky on the day that she was announced. Yeah, it's going to be Freya. Uh, She's just 13 years old and she's going to be representing the UK at Junior Eurovision next month in Yerevan with her song Lose My Head. And it seems like a lot of people are going to be losing their heads listening to this song, Rob, (laughs) (laughs) because you mentioned it. It's great. It's a bop. It's up tempo. It's modern. It's fresh. It's great.
2: Very good. Yeah, we will hear a little bit of it a little bit later on. You won't have long to wait before we hear a little bit more of the UK's entry at this year's Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, James, would you like very quickly some Freya Sky facts? Oh, I knew we were going to get something. So, yeah, seatbelt is on. What you got? Strap yourself in. Uh, so, she's got a dog called Ruby. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, she likes watching movies, she taught herself to play the piano, and her favourite football team is Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, is that going to get some
3: tongues wagging? Or people are people going to be turning off if they're an Arsenal fan? I'm not, I'm not huge on football knowledge, Rob, is that, is that a
2: bad thing? Yeah, no, unfortunately there's nothing in there from Freya about Formula One, in which case the, as we know... Very prevalent f one eurovision crossover community would have had something to to sort of <laughs> hold on to there, but, uh, but yeah some some Freya facts there, and also this one is incredible. Freya has already been played on BBC introducing here in the u k so that is of course when up and coming artists get the chance to upload their songs to BBC local radio and have them played on the radio here in the u k Freya has already done that she did it in twenty twenty one so what that out when she was. Maybe even eleven, because she's only just thirteen. So that's a pretty incredible achievement. Anyway, shall we remind ourselves of the moment that Freya found out courtesy of
3: fellow Eurovision alumni, Lucy Jones, that she was gonna be representing the UK at Junior Eurovision next month?
0: Oh hi! Oh, that's I nice to <laughs> oh,
3: oh my goodness.
1: That's how are you? Okay. I'm really, I'm this really, is really good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm literally like your biggest fan as oh well. Oh my gosh. Well, I've just been listening to you sing, and oh you are amazing. God. Thank you so it's much. It's so nice. nice to meet you. So you're here today for the dance workshop. Yeah. So are you ready to get moving and yeah. get going? I think so. Hope so. Yeah. Good. Okay. Cool. But before we do that, um, I need to give you some news um, mm-hmm. about today is that um, it's all been a bit of a lie. It's been a joke, it's been a trick to get you here because I'm here to tell you that you have been chosen to represent the UK at Junior Eurovision this year. (laughs) I
0: can't believe it. Are happy?
1: Very happy, happy. very,
4: very
1: happy. Thank you so much. I'm so happy for you, it's so exciting. (laughs)
2: What a lovely clip and also just how excited and emotional and happy Freya is when she gets that news, which is always how I imagine I'd react if I was ever told I was representing the UK at Eurovision, which wouldn't last very long because then I'd be upset because I know that I'd do very badly. But Freya, however, I don't think will. I think she'll do very, very well. I think she will. And also, uh, on the
3: day of release, uh, or the day of the announcement that she was going to represent the UK, uh, she was on British television. She was on BBC Breakfast doing a remarkably first ever live TV interview. We'll hear a clip of it in a second, you simply wouldn't believe it. Uh, But before we hear that, let's remind ourselves of her song, Lose My Head.
1: So the BBC um, decided to enter the UK this year. They're broadcasting it for the first time. But
0: how did you enter?
1: How did I enter? To be
0: kind of the entrant.
1: So they were looking for aspiring singers. I think they came across maybe my music videos and I was lucky enough to be asked to audition.
0: Okay, what was the audition process like?
1: It was, I think the first round I sung two of kind of any songs I like, um, and then the second round I got the actual song, which we just saw. So I've seen the Junior Eurovision Instagram, and there are some amazing um, acts going in this year, and with amazing songs. I One of my favorite ones is, um, her name's Luna, and she's going in from the Netherlands and she's singing La Festa, and I mean, she's so talented, it's a great song.
3: What's the age, what's Junior? So how old can you be? What's the upper upper age limit?
1: The upper age limit is 14. Okay. Yeah, so I'm 13, so I'm kind of just around
2: the middle. The UK, back at Junior Eurovision for the first time since 2005. First time on the BBC. And I think it's safe to say we are back with a bang, because that is surely a contender to win the Junior Eurovision Song Contest 2022. And James, you said you simply won't believe it when you were talking about Freya on BBC Breakfast. You heard her there. So impressive and so confident and... Another brilliant ambassador for the UK at a Eurovision contest, as Sam was earlier in the year. Yeah, I'm going to talk to Lee about this very
3: shortly, about the fact that sometimes you really want, or maybe all the time, you really want an artist who is going to live and breathe Eurovision, is really likeable, has a story to tell, and I think Freya really has that. She's she's already big on social media as well. What is it, 45,000 followers on Instagram? She's got a, a wonderful TikTok account that she shares with with her dad as well, which is really, really fun to watch. And I think she is going to capture the heart of so many uh, or so much of the viewing public across Europe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But shall we make sure that people aren't holding on for too much longer before we... <laughs> Get them this interview with in Lee. I mean, you're the one that was fortunate enough to speak to Lee earlier on. Some of the stuff that you cover off, because I've been lucky enough to already have a listen to it before we play it to you on this podcast. You talk about, of course, how the song was chosen. You talk about how and why the UK chose to return to the contest. And also, you look back, of course, at the Eurovision Song Contest of 2022. And you have a bit of a chat about Turin as well, because you had to with Lee.
3: Of course we do. So yeah, we'll talk loads about Freya, loads about Junior Eurovision, but we'll also talk about Sam, Turin, 2022, that magnificent result. It's the first time Lee has spoken publicly um, about the the experience he had. It, it was such a different experience for anybody involved in BBC's Eurovision coverage ever really had. So we'll sort of get to the bottom of that and find out his reaction and, and the way he looks back at that contest as well. So Let's say thanks to Lee again, really thankful for his time. And also, please don't forget, we love to hear from you as well. Get in touch. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. We'd love to hear your thoughts about what you hear from Lee and what you think about Freya's song. We'd love to hear from you. But let's get into it, shall we? This is what happened when I sat down with the UK's head of delegation for the Junior Eurovision Song Contest of 2022, Lee Smithurst, earlier today. Lee Smithurst, welcome back again to the Eurotrip. It's great to have you back. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's been a it's been a while. I think we spoke to you about March or April or something, and so much has happened in that time. I honestly don't even know where to start. But we probably should start with Junior at Uvision because I woke up to an email from you, and then uh, about, about an announcement incoming, and then it's sort of been it's been hectic all day ever since, hasn't it? What's your initial reaction to uh, Freya
4: Sky's announcement this morning? Do you know what in all honesty like cuz cause cuz cause we're so busy at the moment I've been in and out of meetings so so I've had to let other people tell me what the uh what the response has been but I hear it's largely positive cuz um which I was hoping it would be because I do think it's a brilliant song and Freya is a brilliant artist and I did catch her on uh BBC Breakfast so I wasn't up in Salford um and I thought she was great on that I mean she's just a great personality anyway so um that's her first live telly so i think she's got that out of the way now so she uh, the nerves will hopefully have gone and she came across really really strongly as well she's remind us she's
3: 13 years old she's 13 yeah and only just recently 13 and to put that into context, she wasn't alive when the UK last participated in junior year. Maybe many of us even weren't, actually. I was, and you were, but maybe many of us uh, weren't. What We've got to talk about this whole process then, don't we, about how we've ended up at this point. I was I was doing some digging, and, and obviously a lot of people were um, talking to Martin Osterdahl at some press conferences over the last couple of years, and he sort of planted some seeds about the the will and the want for the UK to participate again. But when did it actually, when did it all begin for, for for the BBC to take part for the first
4: time this year? I was uh, asked by Rachel Ashdown, our commissioner, and Susie Lam, who's MD of Studios, about it uh, a couple of weeks after we came back from Turin if I'd be interested in doing it. Um, and I think the stuff from before in previous years, I think uh, the EBU have maybe asked the BBC if they would consider coming back. But I think, as you know, our results in the in the adult Eurovision have not been so good until we got to Sam Rider. So I think that was sort of the priority to start changing that narrative and get getting better results there before it could even be considered, I guess, about returning to the junior one. Um, and I guess the time was just right. We had a great result in Turin. With Sam and then obviously Liverpool are hosting Eurovision next year so as you know being in the UK there's a lot of goodwill and positivity about around Eurovision and everything that we were doing with the host city reveal people are really engaged with it so it felt like the right time to you know return to Oh, I say return the BBC have never entered junior Eurovision so it's the first time for the BBC because there's a you know there's a lot of interest around Eurovision so I guess it is a now or never it's a perfect time to to come back. Yeah, we, we put out on
3: Twitter earlier on today that you were coming on the podcast. And naturally, when we talk about the BBC, we get inundated with yeah. questions and all sorts. And and two of them, Liam and, and Alice, both got in touch asking why come back or why for the first time for the BBC. You sort of mentioned that the, the good result was sort of part of that. And I guess Sam, we always come back to Sam Ryder. He, I guess, in a way, he was sort of a, a catalyst for it, I guess,
4: was he? Yeah, he absolutely was. And I think Sam's result did so much for the perception of Eurovision in the UK, which then allows us to consider entering junior again, because we know that people are really engaged with the contest again and have found, I think people always loved it. But when you don't do well at something, you know, Sam going and and getting a second place and then all the things that he's done since then, and people have really taken to Sam. And I think there's something really likeable about Sam, that people have invested in in post-Eurovision as well. So that's why we um, think that coming back to junior is perfect for this year. When you were on the podcast last time, you, you chatted to Rob and I
3: listened back to it yesterday and I, I noticed one thing that really stood out in that you said that Sam seems to have started the shift in perceptions for the general public in the UK. And you said a good result, this was before the result, obviously, a good result would be a huge turning point. Do you think You've seen that
4: turning point in reality. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the people that are engaging about wanting to make content uh, content for Junior and, you know, it's opened a lot of doors that people know that there's a big audience for Eurovision. I think it is still uh, the biggest entertainment audience on BBC One of this year still which is incredible, um, and I'm sure Strictly will probably trump that at some point in the next couple of weeks as it builds up to final, but it's a brilliant result for the for the show, and I think um, there was a moment when I was in the green room uh, just before the points came in, and everything was so positive up to that point, and everything had sort of worked out, and I wanted to touch wood because I could never say it out loud, that everything that you'd planned on paper with this is the dream uh, of what we wanted to happen was was happening, and then every little thing was sort of coming together. And then live on the night, just before the votes came in, I'd I'd got a good feeling about Sam, as I think a lot of people had, and we knew that he was second in the betting. And there was a moment where the presenter said, "We're now going to go to the international juries." Where I did have that, you know, it lasted ten seconds. Where I thought, "What if we don't get a good result? Then what happens?" Because I felt like every bit of the campaign had gone perfect up to that point. And if we got another bad result, it's sort of, where do you go then? Because I just worried that no artist in the UK would want to do it. No record labels would want to be involved. Maybe radio wouldn't support it anymore. Obviously that didn't happen, but there is a moment where you think, gosh, this has gone so well. What if we still can't get onto the left-hand side of the board or there's no improvement, but you know, it didn't because the first results came in you're like okay it's going to be
3: different yeah we know what happened in the end so was that did you feel sort of a a weight on your shoulders in a way because I wonder we often talk about when we talk to you we talk about the BBC we never sort of talk about it on a a personal perspective with you did you sort of feel any I don't know sort of weight on your shoulders that moment thinking if it's not going to work this year how on earth is it going to work in the future yeah
4: absolutely because you put everything into like as you know I'm like a, I was a fan of it before I ever started working on it so I feel that just from a responsibility of knowing that people want what I want which is to get I watched it in the 90s when we were doing well when I was growing up and that was a, the norm for me to be you know second places and top 10 all the time and I wanted you know the new generation of fans to have that feeling that I had, where you were always a contender, or when the betting came out, you were always in the top five. To have that feeling. Um Sorry about my emails, by the way, the keeper. It proves it proves you're a busy manly, if only anything. Um, yeah, so um yeah, there is a there is pressure, but I think all you can do is do your best and know that I'm more. Um, I'd be more frustrated if I think, oh, I didn't do that or I didn't pay enough attention to that. But I think as long as I could say to myself, this, we've done absolutely everything we could, which I genuinely felt that going into that final night, there was nothing more we could have done to, to get a good result. And then you sort of reap the rewards afterwards. You think, OK, finally, like we might have turned the you. <laughs>
3: take us into that green room we will chat more a bit about junior eurovision of course but i want to naturally talk a bit about turin take us into that green room when you start to get some of these jury points in you start to get some of these 12 points you probably haven't been in the green room very often or at all beforehand that you get a 12 yeah. points for the uk have you so what was it like in turin
4: no i've never in fact you're never on camera because we never get any points <laughs> um It was, it was, it was strange. It's sort of, when you look back at it now, it's almost like you can't remember it because it sort of went so quick, but Sam said a lovely thing to us all just before the uh, points came in. And he said, I want everyone to put their phones away. Let's not look at them at all and let's just live in this moment, which is such a Sam thing to to say (laughs) to everyone. And it was perfect because we were all, no one was looking at their phones to any reactions or any messages from friends and family. We were just all there with each other in that, in that moment. And, um, it was, it was amazing. And the funny thing is that now we've got a lot of people coming in and, and pitching ideas for loads of different content. And they always use on their PowerPoint presentations the grab of, you know, the cheering moments or the, uh, there's one shot of me with my hand over my mouth in disbelief of what's happening. And it always comes <laughs> up on the presentation. So it's nice, but it's also embarrassing when you're in a, in a room of other people that this picture keeps coming up. But it's, it's an amazing moment. And I... I just the whole team like it, it's obviously a team effort there's loads of people that got got to that point but so to be able to be in that green room and celebrate with everyone who's worked so hard is amazing. And what about the I would ask about the, the after party, but I imagine some of those stories might not be safe for broadcast.
3: But uh, <laughs> should we talk about sort of the the what many people might think is the boring part, but the, the debrief. You know, you, you come back to the UK a couple of days later, I guess, and you've got to you know, you've got to sit down and review the process. And I guess some of those meetings over the last few years have been rather difficult. But I imagine this year was a, a fairly good atmosphere in that in that boardroom
4: yeah it was it It was great to actually get back and because as you know usually it's like okay what can we do next year but when it goes well it's like okay how can we build on on sam's success and i think with what happened with sam afterwards that you know the jubilee and all the other amazing events that he's he's done it feels like what we wanted to happen which is you um you can move forward because it's a launchpad now for an artist's career. So for me, yes, the result at Eurovision was important, but you always wanted it to be something that people wanted to enter because it can launch a career. Because if Sam got a good result, but then nothing happened after that, then you'd have to, in my eyes, you'd have to be a really big Eurovision fan to put yourself through a competition to get a good result. But then there's nothing post that career-wise. So it's nice that Sam has that, you know, that he has had uh, a career after Eurovision because of his result. And that must be one of one of the big
3: successes as well, because we know as fans, we are always looking for a good result. But from a from a BBC perspective, you want that artist to be able to go on and have a career. You mentioned, and this always sticks with me when we spoke almost two years ago, sometimes the problem with a national final is you, the BBC can't then always support an artist because you're not a record label but you knew this year with Sam he had the record label backing and you knew after a good result he
4: was going to have that success so that must be a positive story as well. Yeah because I think that's what you're you're right in saying that about a record label because they have a plan for Sam post Eurovision and that was always a difficulty before you know the labels came on board because BBC Studios can help salmon obviously put him on shows, but you can't nurture his career it's not a it's not a label, so you know he signed to Parlophone and Parlophone had a plan for okay, this is up to eurovision and this is this is summer, and they had a plan of what happens after Eurovision. I think that's essential to build Eurovision is one part of that story for for the year for them, obviously a huge part of it, but then everything's ready to go after that. So shall we do a
3: little bit more on junior Eurovision? Because that's the big news of the day, of course. Um, I think we got the official announcement that the BBC were going to enter for the first time. I think was it back at the end of August. Um, where were you? Where was the BBC along the timeline at that point when it, when it got put out officially? How much of that process had already begun by then?
4: Uh, I think, as I said, you a couple of weeks after that, Rachel and Susie, uh, Rachel, our commissioner and Susie's MD of BBC Studios, approached me if I would be interested in doing it as exec of Junior. And obviously, I said I would love to do it, but I really wanted to. Um, we've got different commissioners for um, Junior because it's obviously commissioned by CBBC. So they were people that I didn't know. And I wanted to meet them. For me personally, I wanted to do something really modern. It was important that if we were going to do it. Or if I was going to do it, I wanted to build on the success of Sam. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it with a a modern entry, and I wanted to find an artist that you could, uh, that I genuinely believed could be a pop star like a Zara Larson or a Mabel, and go on to have a career. I didn't want to do it to just be like a one moment of, oh, this is a song, and it feels quite young. And I think now more so, um, even in the audition process, meeting lots of youngsters that came into audition they listen to and they sing Anne-Marie and uh, all those Becky Hill artists. They're not singing young pop, you know, they're not singing nonsensical lyrics. They are singing pop songs. And obviously the message can't be too adult in the song, but the stuff that they're listening to and the stuff that they enjoy singing themselves are those types of pop songs that I believe Freya's Lose My Head is, is one of those songs. It's a modern contemporary pop song. And that was really key, and I think the commissioners at CBBC were all on the same page, which was, no, we sort of want to go on the Sam journey of, we want to have a big moment, we want to we want to win, or we want to do well. We're we're entering to do well. How many? I don't know if you'll tell
3: me, but I'll ask anyway. How many sort of, how many youngsters, how many kids applied for that process? You mentioned it was sort of a an an audition process. How many applied? How long was that process? How tough was that process?
4: Yeah, the process was probably a couple of months, and I brought on a, a casting producer um, called Layla bisix and uh, Layla has done a lot of children's casting of um, for either talent shows, or she does uh, the casting for Kids Bop. I don't know if you're aware of the Kids Bop franchise. Um, So she was perfect to find the talent. So she would reach out to all her contacts that she'd been working with before. So that might be managers, agents or performing arts academies or places like Sylvia Young and ask people to send in tapes. At that point, they didn't know what they were sending tapes in for. They just knew it was a new BBC talent search, but they didn't know it was Junior Eurovision because we hadn't announced it. Was that uh, a conscious decision as well? Sorry for interrupting, but uh, because obviously
3: we knew what you did with Sam when you announced Sam as the artist or you launched Sam's single earlier this year, deliberately didn't put that Eurovision label on it. Was that a conscious decision for the junior process as well?
4: No, it was more that it just hadn't been announced, but to get ahead, obviously it takes time for people to send tapes in and then you have to watch the tapes and then you have to see them in person um, once you've whittled them down. So it was more just a, a time frame of... The whole process with Junior actually started quite late in terms of it didn't happen until after post-turin. So you're starting in June for a show that's in December, but obviously you need to start auditioning in, in summer. So the, the whole process was actually much quicker just because there wasn't a lot of time to get things ready. So we had to just go and get the tapes in before we'd announced that we were taking part. And then once we got the tapes before the first face-to-face audition, then all the ones that we would shortlisted did know that they were coming for Junior Eurovision. So what was it
3: about Freya that ticked all of the the boxes for you? Because I imagine it's always a tough decision to sort of figure out which one it, it's going to which artist is going to fit the bill. And and also the fact that it was the song wasn't written for Freya was it? It was a it was a song written and it,
4: it was going to be the
3: artist whoever it was.
4: Yes. So f- um when the, uh, and I think Freya said this this morning that when the the, the youngsters came in to audition for us they initially sang just two songs of their choice and we asked them to pick some up tempo songs because we knew that lose my head was up tempo um and then we whittled them down after we saw the first face to face and then the next time they came back they all sang lose my head and um it was interesting actually because to be honest like everyone we saw was incredible it was a really tough decision and um Obviously, when the first time people are singing songs that they've practiced quite a lot and they're comfortable with and then it was interesting to think that some of the great singers that we might have seen in round two, in round one say when we brought them back to do lose my head," the song just didn't suit their type of voice maybe Freya from the moment she walked in and did lose my head was it just felt like the song was perfect for her, and in that audition room was um were the writers, our vocal coach um a creative director and everyone agreed that she just felt like of everyone she just fit her style of vocal just fit lose my head perfect where did lose my head actually come from then because you can mention some of the
3: songwriters as, as well there's some pretty big songwriters on there where how did all of that come together
4: to be the song for this year so when we uh, initially what happened is because we had a short time frame, like I said before, uh, Children's Commissioning wanted to make sure that we would be able to find a song in time So, and and also a, a great artist. So on one hand, once Layla was on board, she started looking for the, the children to find like a good pool that we could make sure that we could present to Children's Commission and say, look, these are the kinds of talent, so you don't need to worry on this end. And in the meantime, I was also searching for songs. So I was reaching out to people that I've met over the last couple of years. So that could have been publishers, a um, and songwriters themselves to say, do you have anything for Junior Eurovision that you would like to submit? And then loads of people actually did send in songs. So then I could shortlist those songs myself and take them to commissioning and say, here are the songs. I think we've got a good enough bunch to be able to say, we can definitely do this. And here are also some examples of youngsters that have sent their videos in. So I think between the two, we're definitely in a place where we can, we can enter this with a great entry. Um, and then Lose My Head was just always everyone's favourite immediately. Are you the man who gave it the, the
3: green light then? If so, you must be pleased. because I've seen a lot of people this morning saying, I think the BBC might have might be hosting two editions of the Eurovision Song Context next
4: next year. I'm not going to lie, it was always my personal favourite. But it's difficult because music, like anything, is subjective. So there's a lot of other people um, from BBC Music and the commissioning team that listen to this song and you all want them to be on your page. And secretly I'm thinking, please pick lose my headlight <laughs> You don't want anyone to be opposed to that because then it's difficult to get yourself on board with one of the other songs if it was never your favourite but everyone was on the same page which is really encouraging because that doesn't always happen with the Eurovision songs I think sometimes by default when too many people have a a say you end up finding like a middle ground of oh it's the one that people can agree on and that's never the best place to be Um, but everyone was on the same page with, uh, with Lose My Head. And it's quite a difficult song to sing. So actually, I was always concerned that once we'd had the first round, that the second round, what if none of them could sing Lose My Head? That was a fear, because we ha- we didn't send them the song until they'd been shortlisted, and they all had to sign non-disclosure agreements about the song. So there is a worry when they come in, and obviously after the first one walked in and, and did it perfect, you're like, okay, that's fine. They can, <laughs> they can sing. Uh, but, but equally on the fact that
3: you mentioned you got a lot of songwriters who were uh, – who are approaching you and actually sending you music in the first place again going back to a point we've already touched on do you think that is another a way of cementing the fact that Eurovision has changed in the perceptions of a lot of
4: people here in the UK yeah and also the songs were just brilliant pop songs like it wasn't like they were sort of you know left on the shelf songs that people didn't want and even when um we asked the writers of "Of Lose My Head." There is a chance that they could say, "Oh, actually, you know, we're actually going to save it for someone else, or we don't want it for Junior." But they absolutely saw the value in in entering the song, and then I think once they saw Freya as well, it all made sense. Then that you're like, "Okay, she's a she's a great sort of emerging pop star that could have a big career," and she did so, she did so much with the song that then they weren't fearful of of it and they're sort of quite hopeful of what can hopefully happen in in Armenia do you think as well that
3: Freya singing that song is a benefit in just her being you know fairly big on social media she's a very likable personality we saw that with Sam earlier this year and I think that almost played to to his strengths as well the fact that he was a big personality he had a story to tell in a way Freya has has that similar similar fashion as well doesn't she
4: yeah and um Freya's got, I think, over forty thousand followers on Instagram. Like, she already has a big audience that are engaged with her, and that wasn't um, that wasn't really any part of the decision making process. It's sort of a cherry on top of the cake that she had that. Um, so, there is obviously something about Freya that people connect with, and that's it's good to know that because Sam also had that connection through his TikTok. There is obviously the content that he makes engages with people, and the same with Freya. She. She's constantly making content. So she understands what it is that people are, you know, that li- they like about her or she's relatable in some way, which is good for us because she's going to be all over CBBC and and the BBC. So it's nice to know that she's already got this audience that she can now that she can now grow. You mentioned CBBC. I think it's probably a good
3: time to talk about the next few weeks, the next well, it is going almost only going to be weeks. I was going to say months. It's only going to be <laughs> weeks, isn't it? The sort of promotion leading up to to Armenia. We, we we know when Sam was representing. I wish I got a pound every time I said Sam or mentioned Sam, right? I'd be rich. Uh, but when Sam was representing the UK earlier this year, there was a there was a huge promo tour, wasn't there, across Europe? And obviously, a lot of that came from from the record label, which we you've already touched on. What's it going to look like for Freya? I presume it's going to be scaled back in a way because it is junior, because there isn't necessarily the record
4: label, but I presume you've got a lot lined up to get Freya and the song out there. Yeah, she's definitely doing a lot of promos. She's got um, one big performance coming up, which I won't uh, spoil for you before she goes to Armenia. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of activity for Freya because um, she's done a lot of live stuff before. She's performed at Disney World in Florida and she's been in the studio a lot. But I think it's just good to get her doing as much performance in front of an audience or on TV as possible before she gets to Armenia. The great thing about Freya, which I've seen in the auditions and when we did the music video when she went into the studio, is she takes a note really quickly. So you can tell her something and she completely understands it and then and does it, which is great. Because in when we get to Armenia, obviously, there's going to be a lot of maybe changing with the staging when you get there. But it's, it's comforting to know that she can take... Um, vocal notes or she can take choreography notes really quickly. So that's that's another sort of string to her bone. But she's seasoned, you know, she goes to a performing arts school. She's doing it every day of her um every day at school. <laughs> it's like she's a professional already, isn't it? <laughs> she's a professional already. And the exciting thing is that um we've got um I didn't want to leave anything to fate. So we've got Annabelle Williams back who's uh the vocal coach. Um, who did Sam as well and also Dan Shipton is across our staging so me and Dan have been working on what the concept will be for Freya because I just feel like as a team with Sam it works so well so you just want to keep all that in place because we know how each other works and we know what we want to achieve with Freya in Yerevan.
3: Have you already uh, have you shipped out of the staging already I know <laughs> you had some, some troubles on the Pino Ferry last year for you in what is it going out there already?
4: you know what we have we we've got a staging concept but we have to um we have to pitch it to uh, junior eurovision next week so that hasn't happened yet so is that the, is that the next big
3: date in the diary give us an idea about sort of what your diary looks like for junior is that the big
4: big date in the diary for next week is it that's the next big date so yeah we have um we'll be pitching all our staging and uploading all the documents that the ebu need and then um, the next thing will be sort of Freya's promo and then rehearsals for the The junior Eurovision performance. And what about expectations? This is all
3: obviously always a big question. And for a first time participation for the BBC, I wonder what it is actually like. Is it more of just a a testing ground? Have you actually put a place on where exactly you want for it to come, or is it a bit more laid back this year?
4: No. Listen, I would love to win. I'm competitive. That's (laughs) what I want. But um, I don't want to put that pressure on Freya. And we've talked about this before. And it's the same with Sam. Like, all you can do is go and do your best. And, of course, everyone wants a good result. And it would be amazing to win. I just hope that we can keep the momentum of Sam and get another good result, whether that be fifth place or first place. It just has to feel like it's it's a good result. And I do believe that Freya, Freya's performing skills, and she's an incredible live singer, and the song itself, will mean that we hopefully can get a good result in in Armenia. We're trying everything we can to, you know, to do that. And quickly on on the long term as well. I don't know
3: where you are with a vision of of Junior Eurovision in the in the BBC's roster for
4: for many years to come. Is it a long term plan? Is it a one off and then review? Oh, absolutely, it's a long term plan and I think everyone's keen to to look at Obviously, this year, as I said, the the time frame was quite short, but I I would hope in the future that we can build on this and do some final where there's audition shows and lots of kids can enter because they have a lot of shows on CBBC like that. So it's utilizing either a new show to try and find talent and and really engage that CBBC audience. I think there's definitely a, a platform for that.
3: Are you banging on the door of any radio stations to say, look, look what you managed to do with Sam Sam Ryder earlier this year? Because I think people will be looking for a bit of promotion and for the general public to know the song. Or is it more difficult with it being a a child performer?
4: Uh, Not necessarily. I think Zoe Ball played it this morning, maybe on radio, too. I think Freya called in and picked her like uh, I don't know what they call it on the show, but she picked like her three favourite tracks and then I well, think. Pick they your played own playlist,
3: like, I think the feature is, yeah. Pick your
4: own playlist, yeah. I think that's what it was. And then I think they played Lose My Head on that. So there's definitely support across um across radio, and then hopefully more will build towards the contest in, in December.
3: Well, Lee, I've kept you long enough, far too long, long, if anything. So I wish you the very best of luck for Armenia next, yeah, next month it is. That's probably sounds scary to you if that's the first time you've heard it described as next month. Uh, I wish you the best of luck and thanks again for coming to chat with us here on the podcast.
4: You're welcome.
2: Thanks so much.
1: When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
2: You are listening to the Eurotrip. And another exclusive interview here on the podcast, done and dusted. James, thank you for such an insightful, fascinating chat with Lee Smithers there. And you listening, wherever you are, please share your thoughts on that one at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to
3: those who sent us questions as well for that interview. I I mentioned a couple of you in there. We're really thankful when you get in touch and help us guide that conversation because we've always got questions, but we know you do too. So thanks to everyone who's been getting in touch with your questions. Uh, But Rob, shall we sort of look back at that? Because I think it was wide ranging. Lee was very open and
2: honest about a, a lot of things. What are the key standout moments for you from that chat? Well, the first thing is just overall how brilliant it is to have someone so heavily involved in the UK at Eurovision and Junior Eurovision who's just so open and transparent and willing to communicate what's going on and the current kind of situation with both contests, which is just fantastic and should say as well. We will be hearing from Lee again a little bit on Wednesday's episode of the Eurotrip next week, because James, you did leave a little bit of time to ask him about Eurovision 2023 when Lee will be head of show. So stay tuned for that. But loads of stuff for me that stood out there. I suppose that the debrief that they had after Eurovision 2022, all about Sam and and everything that happened there and how they can build on that in 2023. That was a very insightful question from you. Well done. Thank you, gold start on me by the sounds of things. No, it was interesting though, wasn't
3: it? Because clearly they've never had a conversation like that because over the, what, 25 years before that, the results weren't always very good. So it was always a difficult
2: conversation to have. But uh, after Turin, it was a positive one. And also nice to hear that Lee had the same reaction that we all did and the same emotions that we all did just before the jury votes came in during the Eurovision final, that 10 seconds where both he and all of us listening, I'm sure, who are UK Eurovision fans, were watching, thinking, oh, what if this goes badly? (laughs) Uh, uh, And what what would have happened after that? But thankfully, it didn't. And we were able to have a, a joyous reminisce there, James, with Lee about 2022. But if we talk about junior Eurovision, which is, of course, the main reason for us chatting to Lee today on the podcast... He is so enthusiastic about this as a project. And you mentioned people sending in their questions earlier on. So many people were asking, is this a long-term project or is this a one-off because the UK are hosting Eurovision next year? It appears to be. This is it for a while now. It seems like a real investment in the Junior Eurovision Song Contest from the BBC and the UK will be turning up year after year. Yeah, it does
3: look like it, doesn't it? You mentioned Rachel Ashdown, who we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So clearly, the the love, appreciation and understanding that Eurovision is now at a turning point in the UK, it runs deep at the BBC. The, they understand the value of it. They understand how much the fans and the audience love it. And it's great to see that sort of attention is, is, is rife now, isn't it? So we're going to be getting junior Eurovision for a few years to come by the looks of things things are looking positive for 2023. I think it's all all around very, very positive for, for UK Eurovision fans. It's
2: just a weird situation to find yourself in, isn't it? It <laughs> just feels a little bit wrong. But yeah, it absolutely is. And it sounds like all the right people are in all the right places and in all the right positions and involved in everything, whether it be Eurovision, Junior Eurovision, everything involving the BBC and just Eurovision generally at the moment, which is Lovely to hear, and it means that we've got a lot to look forward to, because that was a fun bit where you kind of confronted Lee with quite how little time he has between now and the Junior (laughs) Eurovision Song Contest, because it is indeed next month. Sunday
3: the 11th of December, pop it in your diary, it will be here in a flash, before we know it. Uh, So yeah, very excited to be looking ahead to that. And then of course Eurovision 2023, just around the corner too, that'll be here before we know it and as Rob teased there will be a little bit more of that chat that you didn't hear just then on Wednesday's episode of the Eurotrip where Lee will be giving us a little bit of an insight into what his role looks like for 2023 and just how far along the road they are in planning to host the first Eurovision contest in the UK since
2: 1998. And a tiny 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 little bit from Lee about the artist selection for 2023 as well.
3: Mm, If that's not going to make you tune in, I have no idea what will. Although Rob and I will be back, so hopefully that's enough. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, a big thanks again to Lee for joining us. A huge thanks to you for tuning in as well. Uh, make sure you get in touch with us, of course, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at com on the email. And you can read all of our exclusive stories, including more, uh, from our chat with Lee on EurotripPodcast.com. We'll be back with you on Wednesday for a brand new episode of the Eurotrip. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars from me james it's goodbye and
2: from me rob it's goodbye